Hey, it's Ian Altman. Before we dive into this week's episode, do me a favor and stop by and visit GiversEdge.com. There are only a few gifts I've received over the years that really stood out, and they were all sourced by the ruling group who you can find at GiversEdge.com. Hey, it's Ian Altman. In this episode, we're going to talk about a few things that I know are critical to success in any business. First, we're going to talk about the best and worst methods of follow-up with potential clients. We're going to talk about why content must be part of every sales organization and strategy and why smart companies no longer have silos between sales and marketing. I just got back from content marketing world in Cleveland, Ohio with about 3,500 of my closest friends. And aside from the wonderful experience of being in a three-story high, life-size version of Hollywood Squares, which is always a highlight as a guy who's a speaker, there's a great deal of information that I learned and really was inspired to make sure I share this message with you um, about the importance of content. And before I even dive into that, I want to talk about how people tend to follow up. So in my keynote addresses, I often ask people for a show of hands, how many of you have heard somebody make the following follow-up phone call? Hey, just checking in. Want to see if you made a decision yet? Hey, just calling to check in. Want to see if you made a decision yet? It's so pathetic when people do that. You're a tin cup and a cardboard sign away from begging. It's just like it's a groveling mentality. It's just not the way that people should do it. Now, the other horrible way that people follow up is they create a false sense of urgency. Oh, this deal is going to expire at the end of the month. So if you don't get back to us, it's going to be gone. And, of course, our clients know that that usually isn't the case. And if I call you a week from now and say, oh, man, I guess that deal went away so I can't buy from you, the rep would say, no, 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 we can get you that deal. So we don't want to create false sense of urgency. We don't want to have a pestering approach. And keep in mind, the reason why, hey, just calling to check in, want to see if you made a decision yet, doesn't work is because of the following reason. You're focused at that point on the decision. When your client or potential client is focused instead on the outcome or result. So when you call to follow up on, hey, have you made a decision yet? They're thinking, look, idiot, if I was confident that you understood our situation, if I was confident that you were the best person to solve it, I'd be calling you. But you haven't demonstrated that to me. So I'm not exactly sold on the issue. So no, I haven't made a decision yet. In fact, your phone call, if you think about it, probably isn't helping your chances. It's probably hurting your chances because now they're thinking this loser is desperate. And they might try and beat you up on price. So you got to start asking yourself, well, how do you follow up? Now, in order to understand the best way to follow up, we need to understand a little bit more about this idea of content marketing. Now, content marketing does not mean you create content for the purpose of marketing. Instead, content marketing is thinking a little bit differently. And in fact, my buddy Marcus Sheridan at The Sales Lion, you can check out thesaleslion.com, Marcus had a business that was really in trouble, and he turned around completely using content marketing, and now he travels the world doing workshops and teaching people how to do this better than anybody else. 
the idea is that you want to think about all the questions that your clients would be asking that may seem controversial to you, and you want to make sure you address those questions. And one of the things we talked about in the workshop Marcus and I did together at Content Marketing World was this notion of what type of information are people asking about? And what are we afraid to talk about on our website? So a lot of businesses say, well, I'm not going to talk about price. And especially B2B and, and services businesses, they say, well, we can't list prices on our website because our prices depend upon what the client needs. So we can't have our prices on our website or we can't put them up there because we might scare away a customer of ours because our price would be too high. Well, if you're going to scare them away, they're not the right customer for you anyhow. And we don't mean you have to list your prices on your site. You just have to be able to discuss it. So if you go to my, my website, it says right there on the speaking page, look, if you want to book Ian for a speaking engagement, here's the range of what it costs. And people who come to us and say, oh, we got a budget of half of that, guess what? They don't call because they know that it's not in their budget to have me come in and work with their teams. And the people who do read that and then fill it out, a great majority of the people who fill out those forms end up actually booking me for their events. So it's the, the, the key to content is not to be afraid of it. And one of the other big reasons that Marcus points out that people don't share content on their website is that your competitors might find out. Now ask yourself this. Do you know what your competitors charge? Of course you do. So don't get caught in the mystery that they don't know what you charge. So if you were to go to a website and you search and you find that they don't have what you need, it's going to piss you off. And if they come to your website and you don't have the information, you're going to be frustrated too because they don't have that information. And this is stuff that Marcus teaches better than anybody in the world. So once again, I encourage you to check out Marcus's site at thesaleslion.com. Now, the other thing I want you to consider is what are the steps in the sales process? So in your business, what are the steps? So you might say, well, we have an initial contact. Then we do some basic qualification. We have an initial meeting. Maybe we get to the point that we identify exactly what they need. Then we come up with a proposal. Then we go through negotiation, and then we close the sale. And those, in your mind, could be the steps of the sales process. Now, your customers, unfortunately, don't have that list, and they don't follow that process. Your customers or potential clients actually say, okay, yeah, we met these people, and now we're going to do a little bit of research on our own using this thing called the Internet. And then we're going to go to uh, – we're going to talk to you. We're going to discuss our needs. Then we're going to go to Uncle Google again, and we're going to ask Uncle Google, what else you got? And then you're going to give them a proposal, and in the proposal, they're going to say, man, well, I wonder what other alternatives we should be looking at, and they're going to go visit their Uncle Google again. Now, if you're not creating content to address their questions and help them gain confidence in working with you, then where are they getting that information instead? It could be somebody totally impartial out there, or it could be a competitor of yours who's trying to shift the discussion in a different direction towards them. But I can tell you what, if you're not addressing those questions, I know where they're not getting the information is from you. And we're often afraid to talk candidly on our websites, but I will tell you that it's critical to do so. In fact, on my website, there's a page that says problems we solve. And on there, it says, here's who's not a good fit for me. 
And the reason I do that is because the people who feel that way, under that description of the people aren't a good fit, I don't want to work with those people anyhow. In fact, if an organization won't embrace the idea of content as part of their sales strategy, I don't want to work with them because it's outdated and we need to modernize the way that we sell. And right now, it's just too old school in terms of how many people are working. So how do you create an environment like that? Well, the first big mistake that companies have is that they create silos in their organization. So they say, this is the marketing department, and the marketing department's job is to tell our story and share our message and bring in potential customers and create awareness around our products and services. Then they create a separate organization called the sales organization, and they say, your job is to generate revenue. Now, the tool you have available is what's what's produced out of the marketing department. Now, the marketing department doesn't have the same goals that you have, but trust me, it's all going to work out just fine. And rarely does it actually work out just fine. In fact, usually it's a train wreck because marketing says, well, I'm not measured by revenue, so how, how should I measure things? I know I'll measure number of leads and I'll, you know, and I'll measure how many different clicks or views we get when the reality is that means very little. You know, if I, you know, think about it, the ALS ice bucket challenge, one of the most viewed articles I had on Forbes was when I did the ice bucket challenge and poured a bucket of water over my head while I was speaking at an event. That wasn't getting my potential clients. That was just getting anybody who wanted to watch someone humiliate themselves and pour a bucket of ice water over their head. So, What you want to think about is what kind of problems are you good at solving? What kind of questions do your clients ask that are important for your business? And usually the questions aren't going to have anything to do with what it is that you sell. So if you sell IT hosting services, your ideal client is not saying, well, where can I get IT hosting services? Because they've already done that Google search, and that's already pretty much locked and loaded. But your ideal client is the one that says, how do I know if my IT vendor is doing a good job or not? How do I know if my employee really knows how to fix our systems? How often is too often for our systems to be down? Those are the types of questions, and then it's important that you share unbiased information. Now, the reason why smart companies get rid of these silos between sales and marketing is because, let's face it, if you create marketing campaigns that don't actually drive sales, then what do you really produce them for? It's not doing any good. So get rid of that garbage. Instead, unify sales and marketing. What I mean by that is the marketing people and the sales people work hand in hand. They identify what the key issues are that clients have. They engage each other in spirited discussions about what's needed. The sales people can say to marketing or the people in the, in the marketing roles, listen, guys, here are the big questions that are coming up, and here are the answers for you. Now, can you create some great content for us, whether it be video, whether it be an article, whether it be a podcast that addresses that issue that we can share with our clients? Now, if you start creating a culture like that, then what happens is what we start thinking of instead of all this other mumbo-jumbo that happens, we start thinking, man... Why would someone do business with us 
and why wouldn't they do business with us? And what are the questions they would have to have answered to, to gain more trust so they're more likely to do business with us than with somebody else? And then we start creating content around those topics. And once we do that, the magic starts to happen because now we're talking to people about what's important to them, not what's important to us as the vendor. So if you want to achieve that, one of the key things to do is make sure that your sales and marketing organizations, if they're separate right now, get together on a frequent basis. So I'd encourage at least one person from your marketing organization to sit on every sales meeting. And I'd encourage anytime there's discussions going on with clients that the sales organization include the marketing people in the discussion. So that, that way they understand what the story is that needs to be told. Because right now, usually they don't know, and then the sales organization complains that marketing's not giving them what they need. But of course, sales doesn't tell marketing what they need. So unless you're hiring a whole bunch of clairvoyant people in your organization, you're going to be disappointed unless you actually speak to one another. This is the kind of stuff that we do workshops on with companies all over the place. Um, I do these. My buddy Marcus Sheridan does these. Some really smart companies actually bring us both in together to work for a couple of days on combined strategies for sales and marketing. And at Content Marketing World, I did case studies on five different companies who had doubled or tripled their revenue in less than three years following these very principles. So I can't force you to do them. All I can do is share with you that these things work. So let's get back to follow-up. So now, if I'm following up, instead of, hey, just calling to check in, want to see if you made a decision yet, Instead of creating a false sense of urgency that says something's going to expire at the end of the week, if I create a ton of great content, then what I can do is I can, call, is I can send an email that says, hey, listen, Jim, when we spoke last week, you were concerned about how you were going to justify this investment. And I've included a link to an article that we have about how one of our other clients did their cost justification and what their ROI was like. I hope you find it helpful. Please let me know how else we can support you. So now we start focusing on that. Or if I don't hear back from somebody, I might say, you know what, Sally? I haven't heard back from you. I just want to make sure addressing this issue that we talked about is still a priority. And if it's not, I don't want to follow up. But if it is a priority, I'd hate to drop the ball and not follow up with you. And that way, everything you're doing is centered around what's important to them, not what's important to you. As time goes by, you might say, look, I was talking to another client who was concerned about what the total cost of ownership was going to be for our solution. And it occurred to me, I hadn't mentioned that to you. We hadn't had a discussion, but I'm sharing a link to this video that talks about that and how some of our other clients measure it. And please let me know if that's helpful for you. Now, if you're using advanced tracking systems, you can see if that article or that video is clicked once or 20 times. So you have an idea now what's important to them. So when it comes to the idea of follow-up, don't sit there and beg, add value. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key things that hopefully you can apply from this episode. First, recognize that smart companies no longer have silos for sales and marketing. They get unified together. These organizations speak together all the time, and it's not going to get done by an email or a text that says to do it. This is about building a culture. It usually requires an event, some type of a workshop, some type of immersion program, some type of 
getting all hands together with a strategy to implement this. Content has to be part of every sales culture. And the reason why is the way our customers make decisions, they're going to look for information. If we're not providing it, someone else is. And then finally, this all ties back to this notion of follow-up. Don't make the phone call. Hey, just call to check in. But instead, provide valuable content they can use. Remember, this program gets a direction from you, the listener. If there's a guest you think I should have on the program, if there's a topic you'd like me to cover, just drop me a note personally at ian at ianaltman.com. Most of the concepts I talk about here, you can find in my book, Same Side Selling, that I co-wrote with my buddy Jack Quarles. Remember, Jack spent two decades in purchasing and procurement, getting a lot of insight there. And of course, I love it when you take the time to drop a review on iTunes or Stitcher or give us feedback on how this program is impacting you. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer.